Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will be going up into the Salt and Light attic and bringing down some of our favorite conversations of the last year. First, we speak with Father Tom Rosica about the papal canonizations that took place this year. And singer-songwriter Sarah Kroger has a new album, Hallelujah is Our Song. In our second half hour, we learn all about the Madonna House Nazareth family spirituality of Catherine Doherty, and we meet the full armor band. We begin now with Papal Canonizations. Many popes have been canonized, 80 to be exact. Twelve have been beatified, two are venerables, and three are servants of God. But before this weekend, only one 20th century Pope, Pius X, has been canonized. I'm now joined by Father Thomas Rosica to give us the details of the weekend's events and to tell us the significance of Pope John XXIII and Pope John Paul II being added to the canon of saints. Father Tom, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. I'm sorry about the time distance that separates us. I'm here in the Holy See press office in my office and it's a great opportunity to speak about the story that's unfolding before us. And I know, thank you, I know you're very, very busy, so thank you for taking the, the little time to, to talk to us. So, what exactly are the events of the weekend? We, we know there's a canonization ceremony on Sunday morning, but that is not the only thing that's, that's happening. Can you give us some details? It's really a whole week of events that's happening before us. There are prayer vigils, uh, musical theater pieces, there are celebrations throughout the whole week from all the different communities streaming here from around the world. Mm -hmm. All of that will culminate into Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday afternoon, late afternoon and evening, there's going to be an all-night vigil in 11 churches of downtown Rome that will welcome pilgrims from all the different countries and language groups. Mm -hmm. Liturgies of the Word, prayers, evening prayer, night prayer, stories and, and uh, bits of the saints' teachings, and this will keep the pilgrims in a mood of prayer before the celebration on Sunday, the Mass of Canonization, right. that will take place in St. Peter's Square, but because of the huge numbers, there will be people scattered throughout the big plazas and piazzas of Rome watching on big screens. Right. How many people are, are you expecting? Well, it's, the Italian press has really blown the numbers out of proportion, but I think it's going to be somewhere around 2 million people. Mm -hmm. uh, people are already here in the streets. So there's huge crowds of people, national flags. It's a real spirit of a World Youth Day. Right. It's the universal church that's coming. You know, the image I had this morning was John Paul II spent his papacy taking the church to the ends of the earth, and the ends of the earth are coming to give thanks to God for the great role model that he was. Absolutely. And they're also coming to rediscover one of the hidden treasures that's really not known to so many people in the life and witness of Pope John the Uh huh. Now, uh, uh, we know that the, the, the ceremony on, on Sunday morning is a Mass, but is there something right. unusual about these canonizations, or is it pretty much by the book? Well, the canonization Mass has a certain part of it right at the beginning of the liturgy after the procession. The procession will be led in with the singing of the, the litany of saints. The, of saints. the sheer numbers of people present indicate that something big is happening. Uh -huh. This will be probably the first canonization of four popes. By yes. that I mean two popes living that are celebrating this, Pope Francis presiding, assisted by Pope Benedict, uh -huh. celebrating two of their predecessors in the persons of John and John Paul. Right. There are a thousand uh, bishops that are here, at least a thousand bishops now, 800 have picked up their tickets as of this morning, and 200 more on the way, mm -hmm. 6,000 priests con-celebrating, 
150 cardinals that will be concelebrating, those in function and those who are retired. Uh So we know that something is different. We also have heads of delegations, 93 government delegations are present. Right. And out of those, I think we have about 25 heads of state, Uh 24 heads of state. Uh, Some to come, we have government delegations at a lower rank of ambassadors or prime ministers or whatever. Right. So this is a huge celebration. Absolutely, absolutely. Very significant. You mentioned a lot of people uh, are familiar with uh, John Paul II. He, he's our Pope. He, we were alive during his papacy, but a lot of people are not familiar with John XXIII. So can you maybe give us a... a, a why, why is John XXIII being canonized? John XXIII's reputation for holiness was known when he was still alive. In fact, at one of the first gatherings of the Council Fathers after he died, they spoke about canonizing him right away. Uh-huh. And they said, no, let's get on with the council, let's do that first. But already when he was in life, his great uh, paternal spirit, his sheer, utter goodness, his desire for dialogue, his outreach to the world, his willingness to move forward and to be creative, really inspired the world at a very important moment in world history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is not something new. We've known this for a long time. I mean. We don't have film footage of his funeral in 1963 and crowds crying out, Santo Subito. Really? But I'm sure they were thinking and saying that in their hearts. Yeah. Uh, It took 50 years now for his story to spread, but most people may not know him, but they know his greatest work, and they're products of his greatest work, the Second Vatican Council. Mm -hmm. And so this is somebody whose story may be a little bit hidden, but who was a great, great figure who marked the world and marked history. It was the world that recognized his great qualities at the time of his mm-hmm. death. In fact, the title of the Good Pope was not given to him by the Church, but it was given to him by politicians who were all in an electoral campaign when he visited his last parish in 1963. And the night before he got to the Church, this is an interesting story, uh-huh. they suddenly removed all of the electoral posters and all the campaign posters. And when the Pope arrived at the Church, there was a huge banner that said, Welcome to the Good Pope. Right. And this was put up not by the Church, but by the politicians, which... That says something, too, that the world was recognizing extraordinary qualities. And when he died of stomach cancer in 1963, mm-hmm. the world mourned his passing. Uh-huh. So he, he was called the Good Pope, and Pope John Paul II a lot of times was called John Paul the Great. Uh, well, Pope John Paul II's reputation is still very much alive for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took the Church to the ends of the earth. He, he decided to take it off the banks of the Tiber, and he went to the most remote places and recognized the Church is also present there. Mm-hmm. He was the great articulate teacher. He had a great sense of history. He was very concerned about what was happening in his part of the world in Eastern Europe, and many people attribute the fall of communism, the fall of that Iron Curtain, to his, his presence at that moment in history and some of his action. Mm-hmm. He was bold. He was courageous. When he arrived on the scene in 1978, it was a young, dynamic 58-year-old who was an athlete, a swimmer, a mountain climber, somebody who had courage. He had chutzpah. And what we did is watch him over the next 27 years, and basically we watched him suffer and die before our eyes. And it was those final years where he really touched the world and brought to life the meaning of suffering in a world that's kind of a throwaway culture, a world that doesn't have much time for people who are old and infirm, he showed us the great dignity of human life from the beginning right to the end. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, canonization is, is specifically about providing models for holiness for all of us. So specifically about holiness, what can we learn from these two popes? 
the best that we are in the church, the most important thing that we can offer in the church is holiness. That's our calling card. Mm-hmm. We're called to holiness. Lumen Gentium, the, the document of the Council, said that the proclamation of saints is not the declaration of perfection. Right. After all, the first requirement to be a saint is you have to be a sinner. Yes. But a sinner who believes in forgiveness and who accepts God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, holiness is what we're all called to. It gives us a desire to want to be holy. Yes, that's that's a great inspiration that we're not that far away from these two men. Father Tom, I'm going to let you go. I know you're busy, but thank you very much for, for giving us the details and, and for the work that you join do. Us and join us for the canonization ceremony, and I'm very happy to say that I will be the voice of the Vatican for that ceremony, doing the narration for Vatican Radio. In English, yes. In English for the English-speaking world. Yes, and we will be, I'll be giving the details of all that uh, coming up. So, Thank uh, you, Deacon Pedro. Thank you, and enjoy, enjoy the weekend. Bye-bye. Father Thomas Rosica is the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and the executive producer of this program. He is also the English language assistant to the Vatican Press Office. We reached him in Rome earlier this week. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Sarah Kroger, with The King of Love My Shepherd Is from her latest album, Hallelujah Is Our Song. The King of Love shepherd is whose goodness fills me never I nothing lack if I am his and he is mine forever Oh, oh, oh. 
That was Sarah Kroger with The King of Love, My Shepherd Is, from her latest album, Hallelujah Is Our Song. Now, last we spoke with Sarah Kroger, I said that she was the newest addition to spiritandsong.com. In fact, we had her on the show as she had just released her first album, Your Time. And since then, Sarah has been quite busy traveling and leading worship services all over, including World Youth Day in Rio, where she and I got to hang out, which was a highlight of my (laughs) World Youth Day uh, adventure. Now, Sarah has a new album, Hallelujah is Our Song, and so it's a great excuse to have her back on the show. Sarah, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So did you survive? How how, how did you survive World Youth Day? (laughs) You know, I survived pretty well, actually, I'd say. Um, I, I'd say my experience was drastically different from the pilgrims. <laughs> yes, of course. Was it your first World Youth Day? This is my first ever World Youth Day. It was really? awesome. Yeah. It was a beautiful experience, yeah. Overwhelming. Yes. Overwhelming. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did, did, I guess you, because you were mostly at the catechesis site helping with mm-hmm. mu- an, animating music during catechesis, did you get a chance to do any of the other events? Or, part yeah, or you know, walk around or anything? Well, we did get to walk around a lot, and we ca- we were staying at a hotel that was right near Copacabana Beach. So yes, I know, right good hotel. <laughs> exactly. It was great. It was right near all the action, and if you were on the rooftop, you got to see um, right. the entire beach. Just the view was, like, mm-hmm. incredible. It was so incredible to be able to have kind of an aerial view of World Youth Day, in a mm-hmm. sense, and able to hear the Pope speaking and all of that. It was overwhelming. But um, So we got to see that, but on um, the day of the vigil, we got to actually be pilgrims. And so me, myself, and uh, Robert Fiducia, who's yeah. a spirit and song, and then Danielle Rose, who's a World Library artist, yes. um, and her husband, we all and went and pilgrimed, uh, were pilgrims for a day in the middle, <laughs> like literally yes. landlocked, but not landlocked, like people locked, <laughs> um, right in front of the papal stage all day long, and we right. were just having, we just had a blast. It was That's so right, you guys went really early, and you camped out there to make sure you yep. had a, a good spot. <laughs> we did, and we definitely got a good spot, except for it the rained. fact that you could not leave. <laughs> and then it rained, I guess by then it was over. Yeah, the rain was over by the time that we got there, but there were definitely people there who had stayed overnight and gotten rained on. So yeah, that's great. It was awesome. So you, <laughs> so you've, awesome. you've recovered. Yes, definitely fully recovered from that. <laughs> but you haven't slowed down because, I mean, it's like, no. I don't know if they say that once an artist does World Youth Day, that's it. There's no, no turning back. <laughs> have, you, have you found that your, your, can I call it a career? Your, 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 sure. th- that it has sort of taken off? Sure. Ministry, you know. Ministry, yes, ministry that's what it this, is. Yeah, ministry, career, all of that. Um, you can meld it all together. Yeah. It really, in this last year, has been um, abundantly blessed um, travel-wise. It's mm-hmm. just become a lot busier, and I don't know if that's a, world, a, a result of World Youth Day or just a result of getting out there more and the Lord just um, desiring me <laughs> to go to more places and do more things, which at times can be, um, just takes me out of my comfort zone, let's just say that. But, really? Um, God calls us out of our comfort, right? And He He yeah. challenges us to more always and to greatness. And so He's been really challenging me in that this year. And it's been really, really fun. Just really, really great. Yeah. You were in Africa. Yeah, I was. Tell <laughs> us. About, tell, I, I don't know if that's the comfort zone you're talking about, but tell us about that trip. Yeah, that was definitely one of them. Um, it was a trip with CRS, um, Catholic Relief Services, yes. which is basically, if for those of you who don't know what it is, it's the American Church's outreach to the world, and yes. so um, and it, and it 
the, the program basically seeks the poor and vulnerable of the world. And so um, Spirit and Song sent a couple of artists um, with CRS as a delegation, and we got to go to Ghana and just um, basically build relationships with people, sing songs with people, um, just have an amazing time looking and seeing what CRS is doing um, and the impact that they're having in the world. And it was such a beautiful experience. I'm still processing it yeah. like today, continually processing um, the people that I met, the faces that I saw, and just the encounter with God in Ghana. It was it was quite the experience. So how does an experience like that, and I guess all the experiences that you have, but it's that, that, that is so different, mm-hmm. how does that influence you as an artist, as, as a worship leader, as, as someone mm-hmm. in ministry? Yeah, you know, one of the biggest influences I'd have to say is just for me to be able to um, have experienced the global church, um, Mm. whether it was through Ghana or through World Youth Day, it was like God was showing me the universal church in such a deep and profound way. And I loved that so much because so often, I I mean, obviously I just go to different churches in America often, um, but to be able to have that experience and that knowledge of the church as a whole, um, and just to be able to know that and and to kind of live out of that and minister out of that um, knowledge has been so rejuvenating for me. And to kind of be able to bring that message to young people throughout the world and throughout our country that our church is alive and well and that they are a part of something that they can be proud of. Right. All of us are a, part of, are, are a part of a church that we can be so proud of that is doing so much good work in the world and um, is everywhere, literally everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. Yeah. Um, would you say that your, your, your focus, maybe your mission as a, a, in ministry has changed? in the mm-hmm. last year? I would say, you know... Or focused? More, it, it has become a little bit more focused, um, in, especially in my experience in Ghana. Um, I interviewed a Monsignor there, and I asked him, what is one thing that you would want American teens to know about Ghana? And he just simply said this statement. He just said, Ghanaians want to be known, seen, and loved. And mm. that, that pierced my heart in a, in a new way. And it made me realize that that is a statement that goes beyond wherever you are, like that is the basic need of all people, of Mm -hmm. all people, whoever you're ministering to, wherever they are in the world, they desire to be known and seen and loved. And the thing that I have come to know is that I just desire for everyone to be able to have that encounter with God um, so that they may know that they are seen and loved and known by a God, by their creator, by their father. And so mm-hmm. that's really been um, my focus of my ministry this year is that that theme itself is to really just um, encourage people that they are loved by God. Sounds like a song is in there somewhere. Somewhere, hopefully. <laughs> to be known, to be seen, and to be loved. Um, th- this new album, it's not that new anymore, but it's, it's new-ish. Hallelujah yeah. is our song, and it's a little Still strange. <laughs> strange to be talking about Hallelujah in the middle of Lent. But yeah. <laughs> um, what, what was your, your focus for that album, or what's different yeah. for that? Well, the album was very much based, um, I kind of call it like, the theme of it basically has a very resurrection-type theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously with the title track being Holly is our song. And um, for that track, really the um, the start of that um, came from an inspiration from a quote that I had read from Blessed John Paul II, soon mm. to be Saint John Saint, Paul II, yes. um, <laughs> where he said, um, 
uh, do not abandon yourselves for, to despair, for we are an Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. Yes. And um, I just loved that, and it so resonated with my heart that wherever I am, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what we are going through as a people, um, that hallelujah should be our song and can be our song. And mm-hmm. just that we would be able to praise God with our entire lives, no matter where we are, no matter what's happening. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's 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 great. Um, yeah, w- yeah, we are a hallelujah people, wh- which Amen. is which is which is great. So um, it's Lent, yeah, and and <laughs> it's great that we're actually in a way maybe it's good because it means that when we give away the album, it'll be around Easter time. So it'd be a nice Easter gift for someone. Oh, perfect. Um, g- good timing. This is we. It's all well planned. Exactly. Good um, timing. I, w- my world youth day experience, and, I, and I'm not going to blame you, but you had a big part of it, and I don't know if I told you this. <laughs> because of Run to the Cross mm. and, and that became a big theme for me during World Youth Day and, yeah. and I guess it's a, it should be a big theme during Lent Amen. Um, how do you how uh, has this Lent been for you and how do you sort of maybe some advice for our listeners yeah, in sure. journeying um, through Lent towards Hallelujah being our song yeah definitely um, this Lent, Lent is always I feel like a very deeply spiritual um, experience for me, and this Lent is is like no other. I gave up sweets, which is a big deal for me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, and and so there's been a lot of like um, sacrifice within my own like uh, desires, if you will, um, mm-hmm. for that kind of a thing. And and so just a lot of different things that I've been able to offer up in a sense. Um, there's been a lot of sacrificial like offering up for me um and and not just for me but for the people that i love um this lent which has been kind of different for me i've I've kind of um done that differently this lent and and so for me um it really is about running to the cross uh and it really is about recognizing like lent for me is about recognizing that um, god came down to earth so that he could experience what we experience so that he could save us but also so that whenever we're suffering we can know that God has been through it. Whatever we are going through, whatever, wherever we've been, no matter what has happened, that God has experienced that in mm-hmm. a deep and profound way because he shares that with us. And so Lent for me is, is remembering that beautiful and mysterious, just that ex- beautiful and mysterious thing that God shares in my sufferings and that God knows and, and that God um, does not leave me alone in that. And so that um, I can come to resurrection through that, and so that yeah. there is hope in the cross. Does Absolutely. that make sense? So in our sufferings, there is hope. There, it's not the end of the story. The cross is not the end of the story. It doesn't make sense without the resurrection. Yeah. And so that's really what Lent is all nice. about for me. Yeah, you know what? There's the, the yeah. If if you want Hallelujah to be your song, you need to run to the cross. That, that's Amen. it's the paradox. But there you go. It's <laughs> exactly. It all makes sense. And the Pope said this go. at Friday at World Youth Day. That's exactly what he was talking about. You're not alone. Mm. Jesus doesn't say carry your cross and then leave us, <laughs> leave us, exactly. to, you know, alone. Um, you're busy. I know you just came back from the LA Congress, and and yep. I know you you're in Georgia, and there's some events in Georgia. But you you're doing some stuff for Life Teen also in mm-hmm. Georgia and in Atlanta, the XLT on April 15th. Yeah. You're in Long Island, May in May, May 16th, 17th, and yeah. Baltimore on the 18th of May. I'm just going to rhyme these off for people if they're <laughs> in that area. Um, <laughs> Life Teen Convention uh, on June 8th, and then you're doing a whole bunch of Steubenville's, Steubenville yep. South, um, and and Steubenville Atlantic, which is going to be in Halifax. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I think those are registrations are still open. Uh, uh, Steubenville, Maine campus, number five. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. and uh, and Steubenville Northwest, which is in Washington, Washington State. Um, yep. And I believe the registrations are, are still open. So if anyone's in those in that area and they want to certainly go see Sarah, but go to Steubenville because it's a great conference. We're really pumped up because we're having yeah. one in Toronto this year and you're so not excited. coming because you're going to be <laughs> in Halifax or somewhere <laughs> else. But that's OK. Next I time. wish I could come. Well, next time, <laughs> next time you need to ask, make a request. Yeah, I will. I um, will for sure. OK, Sarah, it's, it's been really good uh, talking to you. And, uh, great talking and, to you, and thanks. Uh, thanks for your friendship and what you do. And let's let's stay in touch. Thank you for sure. God bless you. You can learn more about Sarah Kroger and book her for an event or buy her music at her website, sarahkroger.com. Here she is now with I Will Pour Out My Heart from her album, Hallelujah Is Our Song. My soul will sing with open Lord There is nothing that could take away my song He is my salvation I will not be shaken listening to Sarah Kroger with I Will Pour Out My Heart from her album Hallelujah Is Our Song. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Catherine Doherty's personal pilgrimage led her from her home in Russia to North America to be with the poor of Christ in the slums of Toronto and in Harlem. She is also the founder of the Madonna House Apostolate, a family of men, women, and priests dedicated to loving and serving Jesus Christ in all aspects of everyday life. 
Catherine Doherty was a social justice pioneer, and she wrote hundreds of articles and dozens of books. Catherine's spirituality is based on the hidden years of the life of Jesus in Nazareth, what she called Nazareth family. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Father Blair Bernard. Father Blair, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. So what is Nazareth family spirituality? Catherine related everything to the Gospel, and the word Nazareth for uh, Catherine was a meant a complex number of things. It's, it, uh, what primarily she means is uh, finding God in the ordinary. Okay. Uh, the Nazareth phase of our Lord's life uh, actually was about 90% of his life, 30 years uh-huh. in Nazareth and uh-huh. three years of public ministry. And so for Catherine, Nazareth is a place where we connect ordinary life with God. And is that something that then that I can do, anybody can do? Anyone can do it, and in fact... Uh, we're meant to do it. Uh, our Lord is teaching us a lesson by the fact that he spent 30 years of his life uh, living ordinary life uh, in Nazareth. It's Okay, so so then my question is, how do we, because those are the hidden years, how do I find out what what those years were like so that well, I can apply it to my that, life? We know that Christ worked as a laborer. He was a carpenter. Uh-huh. And uh, Catherine's message to us is that you know, we live ordinary lives in our families and through our work, and therefore we should be able to find God uh, in our ordinary family lives and work. We shouldn't be looking for God in the extraordinary. She used to say that God is found in the ordinary, or, or he's nowhere to be found at all. And so how is it that we do that? We do that by doing small things exceedingly well with great love. And so for Catherine, you'll see that there's a really close connection to uh, the little way of Therese. Yes. Both of them believe that yes. we find a way of, of sanctifying ourselves, of becoming holy, by doing small things exceedingly well. And that's what Nazareth means for Catherine. So, and, and she also talks about uh, how that is also a way to discern God's will in our life, by doing what we're supposed to do at that particular moment. Right. How does that work? Well, Catherine's favorite saying was, the duty of the moment is the duty of God. And what she meant by that is that all the uh, responsibilities and tasks that flow to us from our state in life are really the most clear way of uh, understanding God's will for us at this particular moment in our lives. Mm -hmm. And by performing those small things exceedingly well with great love, that's our mortification, that's our way of dying to ourselves. And that leads to something, and it leads to this. That part one, in a sense, of Nazareth is to do small things exceedingly well with great love, it's, which is what the duty of the moment is about. Yes. Uh, but that leads to forming a community of love, which she believed was the, the first principle of Nazareth spirituality, is to form a community of love, just like Jesus, Mary, and Joseph did. And she also um, talks about how work is prayer, prayer is work, same thing. They're not two separate things. Exactly. For her, the effort put into doing something exceedingly well with great love required a lot of dying to self. And she Mm -hmm. believed that by concentrating on such tasks, we teach ourselves how to concentrate and give ourselves over to people. In other words, by uh, being perfected in uh, doing little things exceedingly well that we do every day in uh, our ordinary lives, that perfects us to be able to uh, give perfect attention to the people that God puts in our lives. And that is prayer as opposed to praying while I'm working? If your focus is on God, if you're throwing yourself into a duty or task or giving your attention to the person that God puts in front of you, if you're doing that focused on God, she believes, yes, that's prayer. And that's how uh, ordinary people have to pray because they don't have the time to uh, uh, 
uh, like a, a monk or a nun would pray. Yeah, yeah. Um, specifically, let's talk about the book. So n- the book is called Nazareth Family Spirituality. That's correct. Um, it's a compilation of Catherine Doherty's writings. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, an essential thing took place in Catherine's life in 1951. She went to the first lay congress in Rome, and to her great surprise, she didn't expect this, she was summoned to see Pope Pius XII. Uh-huh. And he gave her a brief audience at Castel Gandolfo, and then he started to walk out of the room, and, and he stopped himself before he left the room as if having an inspiration, and he turned back to her, and he said, no matter where your apostolate takes you or what work it involves you in, do not forget the most important unit of society and the church, the family. And then he said to her, do everything you can for them. And so what she did after that, in the very next summer, she started Cana Colony here uh-huh. in uh, Combermere in northern Ontario, Yes, and which is a summer camp for families, which we've been running ever since mm-hmm. 1952. And it was during those uh, summer camps that Catherine taught uh, about family life and its significance and how we offer it to God and how we become saints through family life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's from a lot of those writings that th- this book is compiled. So, so that explains why a lot of the meditations are specifically on family and marriage. That's correct. Um, so there's a lot there that I, as a married person or a, a person in a family, can take that I can apply into my own family life to make it better? <laughs> That's correct. And uh, again, uh, Catherine's point, even though she had reached some very, very high heights of the spiritual life herself, we know from her published and non-published yes. writings, uh, she she really did believe that God is found in the ordinary, in our ordinary mm-hmm. lives, that that's where we have to find him, because that's, for most of us, that's all we have. No, and I like that, because, I mean, that's so tangible. Mm. We don't, that's that's where we live, the mundane. Um, so so I, I really appreciate that. The, the, the book also includes, actually a great part of the book includes what looks like suggestions for celebrations of faith in the home based on the church's liturgical year. That's correct. Catherine gathered these from all around the world, Okay. and it is an amazing collection. And I have found myself, through participating in these uh, cycles of customs, uh-huh. not just the celebrations themselves, not just Advent, Christmas, and Lent, Easter, right. but these customs that go along with them, that they actually are capable of really forming and shaping and touching people. They're non-threatening. Uh, I've done these in the home. I was 10 years a parish priest and I introduced these customs into my parish, and I found it one of the most powerful witnesses to couples uh, who are weak in their practice of the faith, or perhaps even not even practicing their faith. Uh-huh. So there's a real evangelical value to these uh, this cycle of customs and traditions. So they're easily the, the way that they're presented in the book. I, I, they're easily adaptable for the home. Exactly. Is that the idea? So that exactly. I can I can take I don't know the feast of Christ the King, and there's some sort of meditation or activity or something that I can do in the home? What I have done is present what we do uh, here in our Madonna House family, Mm -hmm. uh, but also with adaptations or suggested adaptations for people's homes, understanding the conditions are different uh, from each home to each home. Of course. Now, you're a, uh, can I say, is it fair to say that you're a a Madonna House priest? That's correct, but uh, (laughs) before I was a Madonna House priest, I was 10 years a parish priest. Okay, so... um, uh, how long have you been with Madonna House? Well, I first came here in 1991. We have a pre-seminary program, but I've been here full-time as a priest for the last five years. Right, and here is Combermere in That's Northern correct. Ontario. That's correct. That's our training center. Did you have a chance to meet Catherine Doherty? 
No, she died about six years before in I got here. She died in 1985 yeah. and I first yeah. arrived in 1991. But I can tell you, when you yes. come to Madonna House, you meet this woman through all the stories that are told about her and yes. retold her about her. Yes. Um, I, 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 I hope that this is not the first time that many of our listeners are hearing about Madonna House. Um, I know people in Canada have heard about Madonna House, but a lot of people in, in the United States have as well. Um, it's well worth the drive <laughs> to northern Ontario. I've never been. I'm good friends with the community here in Toronto. Um, so I would encourage everyone to to find out if they're looking. I mean, Cana Colony, the, the summer camp for families, is a great uh, great thing to do if you're looking for something to do with your family in the summer. And all that information is available on your website, madonnahouse.org, correct? That's correct. Um, Father Blair, we have to leave it there. But thank you so much for writing the book, for doing the work that you do, um, and for trying, doing what you can to get the, the, the message. And it's not the message of Catherine Doherty. It's the message of Jesus Christ. I mean, really, it's that, that spirituality that's going to help us get to where we are meant to go. Uh, I agree entirely, Pedro. Uh, She brought everything back to the gospel. Yes. So, So thank you very much. Thank you. Madonna House was founded in 1947 by Catherine Doherty and her husband, Eddie. Today, the community has more than 200 laymen and women and priests dedicated to loving and serving Christ through the promises of poverty, chastity, and obedience. In fact, the Madonna House family also includes more than 125 associate priests, bishops, and permanent deacons who also strive to live the spirit of Madonna House in their home diocese or wherever they are serving. Catherine Doherty's Meditations, Nazareth Family Spirituality, the book, is compiled and edited by Father Blair Bernard and is published by Madonna House Publications. And as we said, you can learn more about the book and about the publications and about Madonna House at their website, madonnahouse.org. And here now is our featured group of the week, Full Armor Band with What I Pray About. A summer day in New York City The memory I want to keep in my mind Like a dream case in reality If only you pause real life December day Connecticut schoolyard As the chill of death Rolls the land Christmas presents Stuck under the tree So many futures Stolen from our hands What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Autumn leaves fell to 
the ground. Cardinal red and taxi yellow. This kind of death doesn't make a sound. What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? What is it about beauty that makes people want to destroy it? What is it about innocence that makes people want to steal it? When the pain set in, where was God then? Did you give up the fight? This is what I pray Tonight, you're a thousand miles away, and I'm not sure what to say. I guess all I can do is That makes people want to steal it. Yeah, what is it about a precious heart that makes somebody want to break it? When the pain set in, where was God then? Did you give up the fight? This is what I pray about tonight. was Full Armor Band with What I Pray About from their album None the Same. Now, Full Armor Band was formed over seven years ago when the band was asked to lead music for a new youth mass in their hometown of Middletown, New York. Now, over time, the band slowly began to be invited to participate in other Christian or Catholic ministry events in their region, and the rest, as they say, is history. There are six members in the band, Douglas Hutchings, Tara Lakeman, Matt Giuliano, Kyle Hankarik, Francis Zelinka, and Brandon Morrison. And to tell us more about their ministry and their music, I am now joined by Douglas Hutchings. Douglas, welcome to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Good to be here. So, I, are you like the group leader? Are you <laughs> just like the, the loudest guy in the group? Yeah, well, I, that's the thing. I, I speak the loudest, and so I've been forced to be the leader. No, um, You get to be you the know, front man. Yeah, we're very much an ensemble when we perform or when we do ministry, but as far as the guy who uh, makes all the logistics happen and uh, yeah. um, writes the songs and stuff, I guess that would be me. Okay, so you do write. Okay, <laughs> I was going to ask you about who writes the music. but So we've heard two of the songs already, but uh, so for people who are maybe tuning in now or who, how would you describe your music? So, you know, it's interesting. We, we obviously um, have a lot of influences um, 
And for me as a songwriter, early like folk music, or a 70s singer-songwriter, folk rock kind of stuff, uh-huh. um, it's really an influence for, for me. So like Paul Simon and James Taylor, yeah. just some re- you know guys who really know how to write a good song. Yeah. Um, and so with that, you know, we kind of took, you take that singer-songwriter songwriter style and we just combine it with some blues and uh, a little bit of a little bit of rock and it's kind of just become our sound. So right. I don't know, it, it seems to work for sure. It is, it does. And it, um, uh, who... So okay, so you say that you you do most of the songwriting or all the songwriting? Yeah, most of it. You know, we, it's kind of a collaboration between everybody in the band usually, but it's usually me that that usually gets the song started. So you'll bring a song and say, "Hey guys, what do you think?" And then everybody, yeah, yeah, it's so, exactly right. It's kind of like the body of Christ. You know, we all have oh. a little job, and we can all bring something <laughs> to it. You know, so oh. it, you never know. Every song is a little different. How scriptural of you? Um, <laughs> you like that? Uh, what? <laughs> So uh, there's six of you. So uh, can you just break it down? So you got wh- who? Because there's some. I mean, obviously there's guitar, somebody's playing guitar and somebody's playing bass. You got a drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Tara, I can tell, sings because she's the Tara, only female. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like to say she's my favorite girl in, in the band. She's least. the favorite girl in the band. Is there a keyboard? Is there what, what else? Is, who else? Yep, yep. I play the keyboard. Okay. Um, so that's that's kind of the three. And and our main, I think, the sound. We try to we do a lot of harmonies. And so myself and. Kyle, the acoustic guitar player, and Tara, yeah. uh, we usually kind of blend and do a three-part harmony sound, and so that's that's kind of the front of the stage and the main um, the main sound and the yeah. ensemble feel for no, sure. That's good. You do you guys do have a, a really nice sound. Um, but you started off as a as a Sunday mass youth a youth mass group. What yeah, was... so it was a church that was kind of you know a typical you know middle of New York Catholic church. You know it, they were a great church, but just needed some energy. You know needed a little little vibrance, and so. Yeah. Um, the pastor there just said, you know, we want to start a mass that's like really family friendly was the word, you know. Uh-huh. And so I said, well, that's great. You know, I was a senior in high school at the time, uh-huh. so it was lo- eight years ago, so longer ago than I wish to admit. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I so I said absolutely, I would love to do it. So I got some of my friends together, and we we were very bad. We weren't good players at the time, but uh, we were extremely passionate about you know just bringing you know upbeat music to to the church and and just bringing the Holy Spirit down a little more powerfully. And so. Um, just through many years of doing that and working and working at it, uh, we've become the band. But yeah, it all started as um, down and dirty church ministry. So, but wait, so so you were you were 17 years old, and the pastor approaches you and says, "Hey, I need some some help with the music." And you just happen yeah. to have five other friends who were musicians and who were yeah, Catholic. Yeah, you know, I think I think at that point I was um, I went to the local Catholic high school, and, uh-huh. and so people knew that I was into music. They knew that um, I played piano. They knew that I wrote songs, but yeah. they didn't, most of them didn't know that my dream had always be, been to be in a Christian band, in a band that was able to, really? you know, not only share music, but also share, you know, the love of God through that music. And uh-huh. so, um, you know, I think that the church at least kind of had an idea that I, it would be something I'd be interested in, um, but sure was a lot of... Uh, a lot of faith they put in such a young guy. So and, but, <laughs> I'm so, glad God had my back because I could have messed that one up pretty easily. So you played, but you had never played in a band. That's right. That's right. And these other five people, had they played in a band? Like, had you ever played together with them or it was just like a random thing? Not, like, not really. I'll give you a short little anecdote. Um, Kyle, the acoustic guitar player in the band, yeah. was a, a freshman in high school when he joined. And um, at this point, I was a senior in high school. So I was, you know, wow. big man on campus and he was kind of the little... Uh, shy freshman that came in and but you he knew tells him. the story. Um, he tells the story really great, but he, you know, he's um, he grew up with a, a disorder called Asperger's syndrome, which is a form of autism. And yes, it's basically, been it's the kind of thing where he isn't, you know, able to make friends as easily as most people, you know, or yeah. connect uh, with people. And so for him, he came into this high school not knowing anybody, and 
um, he played guitar at one of our school masses, and I just I said I, I I need to be friends with you. I need you in my band. I'm starting this group. And so looking back, it's kind of cool how you know God used you know Kyle needed somebody to step out and be his friend and help him become a little more social, and and I needed somebody who was musically talented like him. And so it was amazing how um, you know God brought us together. And okay. Two years okay. later, I mean he's like a different person. You know, yeah, so very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that that is a good story. And so it's the same six people that started eight years ago that are in the band now. More or less, we have we've had a couple changes over the years um, with a guitar player and drummer, but mostly yes, we're mostly the original group. Okay, and the name. When did you come up with the name, and why that name? So full armor comes from um, scripture um, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, where he talks about basically putting on the full armor, God, uh, full armor of God, and what he's talking about it metaphorically is obviously you know the things that we as Christians can use to equip ourselves in this world. Um, you know, so taking on faith and and bringing, you know, uh, scripture and truth and all these things um, to, 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 to keep ourselves uh, secure and um, armored in this world. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by you saying that your dream, even as a teenager, was to play in a Christian band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Presumably, <laughs> you, you grew up in a, in a Catholic household, you, and, and they were faithful. You know, I, did, I did, you know, and, and my, my parents, I always will credit them to being, you know, very encouraging of all those things, but I certainly didn't grow up in a very, you know, charismatic, um, you know, community or Catholic church. You know, we went to church every week. My family, it was a very active part of our lives, but it certainly wasn't, you know, we weren't praying in tongues and jumping up and down and all that good stuff. But but I think, um, I don't know, there's something about contemporary music and the new evangelization that just kind of, I don't know, it compelled me. And so, um, you know, I always say that God shows beauty, that shows himself to us in the beauty of the world, you know, and so music is a prime example, and I think, you know, from a young age, I might not have been able to um, um, say exactly what it was, identify it, but looking back, I can say, you know, when I would experience music and hear something that moved me, I would see that, looking back, it's because that was God showing himself to us, you know, right. and art is something, is one of the ways he reveals himself, and so, I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how God led me down the path he has, but he certainly has, and um, it's, it's just been an amazing trip. So what would you say, would you consider yourselves a, a ministry? Yes, we always say we're a ministry. You know, we always uh, grew up saying, yeah, we're in a band, we're in a band. And, and recently I've said to everybody, you know, like, it's, it doesn't quite describe what we do as just a band. Because, yeah, we play music and we put on concerts and it's fun. But, you know, we go to churches and we'll lead youth retreats. We'll go and we'll just do adoration or we'll do mass. And so the reason I say it's a ministry really is because um, whatever church we go to, whatever community we go to, we always say, what are your needs specifically? You know, we're here mm-hmm. to serve you, and so um, tell us what we can do. Tell us what you need, and we're here to you know make it happen. And so that's why I call it a ministry first and foremost. Right. And do you still play at mass? We do. We do. Yep. Yeah. Um, we, we we get to play. Obviously, you know, when we travel, we get to play at a lot of different masses. But the original mass, the four thirty mass that we started way back when, uh, yep, uh, we still get to do that. So it's kind of right. cool. cool. At least when we're not traveling. <laughs> Now, tell me about the the names of these two albums. So you have your first album with Some the Same, and now you have None the Same. Okay, so sort of. Well, our last album that came out was called None the Same. Oh, okay. Um, and then the most recent album we just came out with was, was what's called a live album, and it just means it was a, a live concert, and that was called Some the Same. Okay. And so the play, yeah, so the, it was just a play on words mainly because on the live album we used a few of the same songs that were on None the Same, but we did them live, so we... We thought we were clever, and we called the album None the Same, and then Some the Same. Right, so the second one makes sense, but why None the Same to start for your f- first album? 
Right. Okay. So another thing, the reason for that is um, the opening line of the CD comes from a song called "Let Me So Love," which I think you played earlier, uh-huh. uh, and it's based on the prayer of Saint Francis. But the opening line is so many faces, but none the same. And it's basically saying, you know, there's um, God's made us all so different. You know, none of us are the same. Yet somehow we all come together um, under under Him. You know, and we're able to create one beautiful sound for Him. You know what I mean? Okay. And so although we're all so different, we can all unify under. Um, Christ's love and and be a church that makes one beautiful noise for him. I get it. Good. Now, you guys are busy. We're almost out of time, but I do want to mention, so you're going to be in Connecticut on March 15th, in Pennsylvania March 16th, you're back in, oh, sorry, in New Jersey on the 23rd of March, mm-hmm. and then you're back in New York State for April 13th, the 25th and 26th. So all that information is on your website? Yeah, so if you go to fullarmorband.com, uh, you can see our tour dates, and you can check out music and read all about the band and all that fun stuff. And yeah, like you said, we have a ton of uh, shows coming up in the region. So okay, I'd good. Love to see people there. Good. So we're going to leave it there. Thank you, Douglas. It's great uh, finally connecting with you and, yes. and meeting the band. <laughs> and uh, you guys are not too far away from uh, Ontario here in Canada, so maybe we'll get you up here. We'll have to visit someday. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless, Pedro. That was Douglas Hutchings of Full Armor Band. You can learn more about the band at fullarmorband.com. That's armor, the American spelling, A-R-M-O-R band. But we're going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And here they are with uh, another song from that same album, Lead Me to the Light. Hiding away from the light of day Darkness has overcome every part of me I moved on And I had to come to the loneliness that sets in when you're on your own Then you came and caught me by surprise Lighting out a ray of light into my life So lead me to the light Show me to the truth And I'll show it back to you Listening to Full Armor Band with Lead Me to the Light from their album None the Same. And that concludes the special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro.
letting down a ray of light into my life. So lead me to the light, show me to the truth, and I'll show it back to you when you need me to.